Hi everyone, welcome to your San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. A new report from the UT finds that local police are more likely to stop, search, arrest, and use force on minorities. Reporter Lindsay Winkley will discuss her findings. First, the news. Gasoline prices are already on the rise, but a grounded cargo ship in Egypt could push the price of regular gas in California past $4 per gallon. The massive container vessel turned sideways during high winds on Tuesday and has blocked the Suez Canal in both directions. Officials said Thursday it could take days or even weeks to dislodge the 200,000-ton ship called the Ever Given. The canal is one of the busiest trade routes in the world, and more than 200 large container ships have been left waiting to enter. The sinking of a marine amphibious vehicle off of the San Diego coast in July that killed nine service members was the result of failed maintenance and human errors. Troops were not evacuated until 45 minutes after the water first started leaking into the vehicle. The full investigation has not yet been released, but the Marines issued a summary on Thursday. Marine news site USNI News reports the troops had not been given a safety brief before the day's operation and hadn't been trained in waterborne evacuation procedures. Eight Marines and one soldier were killed. They ranged in age from 18 to 23. Seven Marines survived. Carrier JSX next month will begin offering nonstop flights between San Diego and Las Vegas that are designed to feel like a private jet flying experience. Scheduled to start April 9th, the flights will operate out of the San Diego airport's Signature Flight Support Terminal, which is reserved for private aviation. There will be twice-daily flights on Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sunday, with one flight on Saturdays. JSX is approaching its five-year anniversary. It operates in 14 markets, four of which are seasonal. A new series from the San Diego Union-Tribune looked at almost half a million traffic stops made by San Diego police and sheriff's deputies, and it found that minorities are stopped, searched, arrested, and subjected to use of force at higher rates than whites. The reporting is based on data from California's Racial and Identity Profiling Act. The act requires law enforcement agencies to collect information about traffic and pedestrian stops, including the race of the people they encounter. The three-part series is called The Color of Authority, and the first installment will debut in print and online this Sunday. Watchdog reporters Lindsay Winkley and Lauren Schroeder wrote the story. Lindsay, give us your overview. Why did you want to examine this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, if you look back on the events of the year, Um, we saw some of the most um, robust and widespread uh, demonstrations and protests um, over racial inequalities in policing, um, which has really been a persistent pattern for years um, that's unfortunately um, highlighted by um, deaths at the hand of police, um, often Black men and women dying at the hands of police. And we wanted to shine a light on some of those disparities. I think it's it's no mystery that these sorts of disparities exist here. We've seen studies that have said as much. Um, and we wanted to take a, a fresh look at it um, just to show that A, these exist, um, and B, they persist. Um, 
And you mentioned, or I mentioned in the intro, that that your reporting is based on this Racial and Identity Profiling Act. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and, and how it helped your report? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this has been such a boon, I think, for um, data journalists. Um, Lauren is so gifted, and she really kind of took this down to the studs um, to allow us to really look at everything that it has to offer. Um, but yeah, essentially the idea was if we really wanted to better identity, uh, if we really wanted to better identify and um, curb acts like racial profiling and other forms of discrimination, we needed better data. We needed a better sense of when this was happening and who was being subjected to what and who was being searched more and who was being, you know, finding themselves um, victims of force. Uh, and so this law really sort of opened up, I think, people's eyes to um, some of the overwhelming trends in policing. And I think that's really what's special about this data set, you know, is um, we've seen studies that have shown this sort of thing um, for many, many years now. Um, but the Racial Identity and Profiling Act really sort of standardized a lot of data points, which is just, um, which is great. So we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to take a look at it. Will you talk about some of your major findings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that probably, you know, I, it should be said that there is a lot to look at when we look at data sets like this. Um, and so, um there's more to find here. Um, and this story really does focus on racial disparities. There's a lot of information in this data set about um, all kinds of things, um, but that was really sort of our focus for this story. Um, and so what we found is um, probably some of the highest points, nearly one in five stops um, that are initiated by San Diego police officers um, between July 2018 and December 2020 involved Black people. Um, and that's significant because Black people only make up 6% of the city's population. I'm um, sort of linked to that. We also found that the Black population is pulled over at higher rates than the white population in 90% of San Diego police beats, um, which is just pretty remarkable. Um, San Diego officers are also more likely to use force on minority groups. That includes black and Latino people than whites. Sheriff's deputies are more likely to use force on the Native American population, actually three, almost three times as higher than the white population. Um, both departments searched black and Native American people at higher rates than whites. Uh, and according to the Sheriff's Department's data, those two minority groups were less likely to be found with illegal contraband than whites. Um, so that brings that that uh, trend even more into kind of a deeper focus. Um, and San Diego police arrested Native Americans, Blacks, Pacific Islanders, and Latinos at higher rates than whites. Um, so those are kind of some of our top line findings. And, you know, I mean, clear and deep disparities. How has the community responded to this? What have you heard from them? You know... None of these findings were surprising to the community. I mean, the community has been talking about this for forever, right? They have been trying to bring attention to um, disparities that they experience all the time. Um, and we aren't the first uh, group to take a look at this with available data to find these sorts of things. I mean, 
going back to the early 2000s in San Diego, we had studies that were identifying disparities. Um, we had an SDSU study that identified disparities, you know, several years ago. Um, ACLU commissioned a report a couple of years ago. Um, other news agencies have, you know, taken bits of pieces of this data and highlighted disparities. And so, yeah, this was no surprise to people who have been doing this sort of work for a really long time. And how did law enforcement respond? Yeah, also not surprised. Um, so, I mean, I think to me, that was such a compelling, uh, that was such a compelling thing. Nobody that we talked to was like, what? Disparities? Everybody recognizes that racial disparities exist. Law enforcement knows they exist. City leaders know they exist. Community activists know they exist. Um, and I think that the reason why I find that so compelling is, A, I think it speaks to how difficult it is to um, bridge the gap when it comes to disparities. Um, but I also think that it speaks to how little has been done to uh, fix disparities, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it is interesting that the law enforcement agencies can acknowledge this. So are they doing anything about it? And do you think this reporting uh, will compel them to do more about it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, I think that, that the answer to that question definitely depends on who you ask. Uh, law enforcement have done certain things over the years that they say are designed to, um, you know, to curb disparities or disparate impacts is probably what you would hear if you talk to a law enforcement agency. Um, you know, recently, every um, agency across the county um, stopped using the carotid restraint. It was a pretty controversial neck hold. And another analysis that we did found that that neck hold was used disproportionately on Black people. And so that was something that was sort of set aside. Um, not just for disparate outcomes, but also because of some of the safety concerns surrounding that move. Um, SDPD did recently sort of unveil a policy that was specific to protests um, that sort of set limits on what officers can and can't do in those sorts of encounters. Um, they also revamped their um, their de-escalation policy um, to be more explicit about um, the duty to intervene um, on an officer for officers who see excessive force. Um, and so, I mean, there have been a couple of things that have been done over the years. Um, and there are some things in motion, but I think community members have called out departments for not doing the things that would make bigger differences in bridging um, gaps and disparities. Um, and so, I mean, some specific things that community leaders have been pushing a long time for are things like a ban on consent searches. Um, so consent searches is when an officer asks somebody to search them even if they don't necessarily have any reasonable suspicion that a crime is occurring, right? I mean, we know that those sorts of searches um, can be disproportionately used on people of color. In fact, um, our analysis showed that San Diego police officers were more likely to ask a Latino person um, to participate in a search um, than white people, despite the fact that white people were more likely to be found with contraband in those kinds of searches. Um, and that's something that we, again, we've known this for a really long time. And so there's been a big call to address that policy, um, to either ban them outright or put a lot of limits on how they are, um, how they happen. Um, and pretext stops are another thing, um, you know, not being able to just pull somebody over because uh, you need something like probable cause, something that's firm in order to subject somebody to police encounters. Um, but th the idea behind those two things and other similar kind of changes that people wanna see is they want to limit how often 
police engage in the community, right? That's the idea, is that you can really limit disparity by limiting how often police officers are engaging in communities, particularly communities of color. Um, and so I think that that's kind of at the root of a lot of those changes. Um, and police are much more resistant to those kinds of those kinds of policy shifts. Clearly a super deep dive. I've read some of it um, and I'm really excited for it to come out. But just as a final question, can you give listeners an overview? This is a three-part series. What does each story look into and, and what can people expect to learn? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yes, yeah, so this is a three-part series. So the first series is really kind of an introduction to the issue, right? If you're not somebody who reads a lot about police disparity, um, this is going to give you a, a bit of an overview on kind of what that looks like here, what that looks like at the state level, um, and some of the um, challenges of talking about disparity. Because I mean, I think that it's worth noting that when you talk to community members about disparities, um, they are uh, they feel passionately um, that officer bias is a driver of disparity, a big driver of disparity, explicit and implicit bias. Um, police departments have come around. Uh, they do, I would say that police leaders are willing to acknowledge at this point that officer bias may be a factor in disparity, um, but they're much less likely to view that as sort of the primary reason why we see disparities in policing. Um, and so, you know, we introduce that a little bit, sort of that disconnect. Um, and then we talk a little bit about, you know, some of the difficulties with data. You know, data is not perfect. There's a lot of shortcomings, even though RIPA is fantastic. Um, there's a lot to, with a lot that we wish that we had. And so we kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, and then the second and third stories, we just dive into the details. Um, second story focuses a lot on um, search rates and stop rates. So who's being stopped, who's being searched, um, and what do those tendencies tell us? Um, so we talk to, you know, criminology experts, um, police talk a little bit about some of that stuff and community activists as well. And then the third story focuses on use of force as well as sort of a path forward, right? What do we need to do um, to sort of address disparities? You can read The Color of Authority by Lindsay Winkley and Lauren Schroeder starting this Sunday in the UT. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten.